What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. Boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with. Uh, I already messed up. Fuck, I got it. What the fuck am I on? What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Tony, your host, Tony. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today's topic, Iron Man 3, not Iron Man 1, not Iron Man 2, but Iron Man 3, 3, 3, 3, the final film in the Iron Man trilogy, and just, uh, and the opening, ow, I fucking pinched myself, sorry, uh, and the opening film of the second phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Iron Man 3 has its ups and its downs, but all in all, ladies and gentlemen, it's one of the rather more memorable ones, if you ask me. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today, folks. Iron Man 3, before we get into today's episode, thank you guys so much for the support, really. Couldn't have done any of this without you guys, so thank you. Keep the keep the support up. Keep Spread the word. Tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell your sister, tell your, tell your, tell your, tell the fucking postman, tell everybody. And I mean everybody. But yeah, anyways, on to today's uh, topic. Um, Iron Man 3, it is the only... Iron Man film in the Iron Man trilogy to pass the billion dollar mark, which I gotta say is pretty impressive considering the fact that none of the Avengers were in here, unless you consider Rhodey, but I don't, I don't think he was an Avenger at that time. Yet. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no. Uh, it passed the billion dollar mark considering the fact that, the, uh, and it's the first film to not be an Avengers movie that passes the billion dollar mark. I feel like I said that extremely wrong and now you guys have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. It is the first film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to pass the billion dollar mark without the support of the other Avengers. You get what I'm saying? Okay, but if you don't, then I... Yeah. Anyways, um, Iron Man 3, opening film of the second phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, passed the billion dollar mark, yada yada yada. Uh, if you want to hear, the, if yeah, if you want to see our review of the first two Iron Man films, feel free to check out season one, episode nineteen, Iron Man, and season one, episode forty-seven, Iron Man two. So feel free to check those out if you haven't. Uh, spoiler alert, obviously. What the fuck? And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Iron Man three. Let's get into it. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, kick back, relax. Crack open a beer, soda, and her water bottle, and enjoy, folks, because this is Iron Man 3.
So for those of you new to the series, here's how the situation goes. First off, we go over to a premise. We take a look at the plot, and then we go a little bit behind the scenes. And actually, I'm sorry, I messed up. We go over the plot. We give it our rating. We review the movie. We see why we give it those ratings, and then we go. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, we go behind the scenes and takes a and take a look at the production of the movie and how it did at the box office and how uh and the impact it's had on the MCU in general. So, for those of you that do not know, Iron Man three is a 2013 American superhero film based on the Marvel Comics character Iron Man, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. It is a sequel to 2008's Iron Man and 2010's Iron Man 2. It's the seventh film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it is the opening movie of the second phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film was directed by Shane Black from a screenplay he co-wrote with Drew Pierce. It stars Robert Downey Jr. as the titular character. Alongside, we got Gwen Farlow, Don Cheadle, Guy Pierce, Rebecca Hall, Stephanie Sostak, Sorry, it's hard to pronounce. James Badgedale, John Favreau, and Ben Kingsley. Iron Man 3 sees Tony Stark wrestle with the ramifications of the event of the Avengers during a national terrorism campaign on the U.S. led by uh, the mysterious Mandarin. After the release of Iron Man 2 in May of 2010, director John Favreau chose not to return for a third film, and instead, Black was hired to write and direct the sequel in February of 2011, working with Pierce to make the script more character-centric, focus on thriller elements, and use concepts from Warren Ellis' extremist comic book story arc. The film's supporting cast also included Kingsley, Pierce, and Hall throughout uh, which were brought on throughout April and May of 2012. Filming took place from May 23rd to December 17th, 2012, primarily at the EUE Screen Jam Studios in Wilmington, North Carolina. Additionally, filming took place around North Carolina as well as Florida and even Los Angeles and China. An extended version of the film specifically for Chinese audiences was created. 17 companies provided the film's visual effects as well. Iron Man 3 first premiered at the Grand Rex in Paris on April 14, 2013 and was released in the U.S. on May 3rd as the first film of the Phase 2 of the MCU. It received praise from critics for its performances, visual effects, action sequences, humor, and Brian Tyler's musical com uh, compositions, while critics and audiences also gave it a mixed reception to its Mandarin plot twist. The film was a box office success, grossing over $1.2 billion worldwide, making it the second highest grossing film of 2013 and the 16th film to gross over $1 billion. At the time, it also became the fifth highest grossing film of all time, while its opening weekend became the sixth highest of all time. The film received Best Visual Effects nominations at the Academy and BAFTA Awards. So what exactly was it about this that made it the first and only Iron Man film to pass the $1 billion mark? Well, let's take a look. Our story opens up on New Year's Eve 1999, where Tony Stark meets scientist Maya Hansen, the inventor of an experimental regenerative treatment named Extremis. Keep this in mind. Extremis allows recovery from crippling injuries. Disabled scientist Aldrich Killian offers them a place in his company, Advanced Idea Mechanics, but Stark rejects them and just pretty much, you know, the rich douchebag he is just pushes him away. Anyways, we flash forward to December 2012. It has been seven months, se I apologize, it has been seven months since the Battle of New York, and Tony 
is suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and is having frequent panic and anxiety attacks due to his experience during the alien invasion and the subsequent battle. Restless, he has built a shit ton of new Iron Man suits in order to cope with his insomnia, and this creates friction with his now girlfriend, Pepper Potts. A string of bombings claimed by a terrorist only known as the Mandarin has left intelligence agencies bewildered by lack of forensic evidence. Stark's security chief, Happy Hogan, gets badly injured in one such attack at the TCL Chinese Theater and is put into a coma, and this prompts Stark to boldly issue a televised threat to the Mandarin revealing his home address in the process. Oh boy. <clears throat> Anyways, the Mandarin ends up sending gunship helicopters to destroy Tony's home. Hansen, who came to warn Stark about the attack, survives alongside Pepper Potts. Tony escapes in an experimental new Iron Man suit, which is AI Jarvis, pilots to rural Tennessee following a flight plan from Stark's investigation into the Mandarin, Stark's new armor is not fully functional and unfortunately lacks the sufficient power to return to California, and this leaves the world to believe him dead, unfortunately. Tony investigates the remains of a local explosion bearing the hallmarks of a Mandarin attack. He discovers that the bombings were actually triggered by soldiers who were subjected to extremists whose bodies explosively rejected the treatment. These explosions were falsely attributed to a terrorist plot in order to cover up extremists' falls. Stark witnesses extremists firsthand when the Mandarin agents Savin and Brandt start to attack him. Tony ends up killing Brandt and incapacitates Savin. Meanwhile, Aldrich Killian resurfaces and kidnaps Pa alongside with, uh, I mean, he kidnaps Pepper with assistance from Maya. American intelligence agencies continue to search for the Mandarin's location. Keep this in mind. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, they they. Sorry, they discover they continue to this uh, search for the Mandarin's location with James Rhodes, the former war machine, now rebranded as the Iron Patriot, lured into a trap to steal his Iron Man-like armor. Uh oh, raggy. That, that's my best Scooby-Doo impression. Raggy. I can't do it. My voice is not that high anymore. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Tony traces the Mandarin to Miami, Florida, and he infiltrates his headquarters using improvised weapons. Inside, he discovers that the Mandarin is actually an English actor named Trevor Slattery, who is oblivious to the actions carried out in his image. Aldrich Killian, who, pro who appropriated Hansen's extremist research as a cure for his own disability and expanded the program to include injured war veterans. He reveals that the Mandarin uh, he reveals that he is actually the real Mandarin behind Slattery's cover. After capturing Tony, Killian reveals that he has subjected Pepper to extremists and hopes that Tony will help fix extremists' flaws while trying to save her. Aldrich ends up killing Maya when she tries to stop him. That's a shame. Wanted to see more from this character. She was kind of funny. Anyways, Tony escapes and reunites with Rhodes and discovers that Aldrich intends to attack the U.S. president aboard the Air Force One. What? Using the Iron Patriot armor controlled by Savin, Tony kills Savin, saving the passengers and crew, but cannot stop Aldrich from abducting Ellis. At, I mean, President Ellis at destroying Air Force One. They trace Aldrich to an impounded, damaged oil tanker, where Aldrich intends on killing the president on live TV. The vice president will become a puppet leader, following Aldrich Aldrich Killian's orders in order. Uh, in exchange for extremists to cure his young daughter's disability. On the platform, Tony works to save Pepper as Rhodey goes after the president. 
Tony summons his remaining Iron Man suits, controlled remotely by Jarvis to provide air support. Rhodey secures the president and takes him to safety. Meanwhile, Tony discovers that Pepper has survived the extremist procedure, but before he could save her, a ray collapses around them and she falls into the platform below, causing Tony to believe her dead. No! Anyways, uh, uh, Tony begins a fight with Aldrich, but finds himself cornered, and Pepper comes to his rescue with the help of the extremist powers, which allowed her to survive the fall and intervenes and ends up killing Killian in order to save Tony. Tony orders Jarvis to completely destroy all the Iron Man suits as a sign of his devotion to Pepper. The Vice President and Slattery are arrested and Happy awakens from his coma. Yay! With Stark's help, Pepper's extremist effects are stabilized and Tony promises to scale back his life as Iron Man. Undergoing surgery to remove the shrapnel near his heart and throws his obsolete chest, re arc, chest arc reactor into the sea. He amuses that even without the technology, he will always be Iron Man. And that, my friends, is Iron Man 3. Talk about a conclusion, a wonderful conclusion to a trilogy, if you ask me. But, uh, all right, folks. The review. On a scale of 1 to 10, I give Iron Man 3 a... A 9 out of 10. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. A 9 out of 10, and here are our reasons. For starters, the reason why we haven't given it a 0 out of 10 was because it's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great adventure, you know? The whole who is a Mandarin, how do we stop him, we gotta stop him. It's, it's, uh, really interesting and extremely entertaining, if you ask me. So, the plot was just downright, uh, really great. Uh, another re another thing I really liked about it was their take on post-traumatic stress disorder. It shows us that, you know, not all superheroes are, uh, you know, could deal with this certain thing and, you know, just move on about it with their day, you know. No, they're humans just like us. They're affected. They have feelings just like we do. And they have, um, well, they're just pretty much humans just like us, you know what I'm saying? So I really liked their take on PTSD. Now they're not, you know, like making it like a huge recurring, you know, like a huge topic, but it's, you know, just like a small little recurring topic throughout the movie. It's really, in my opinion, really uh, original in this case. Um, so I really like their PTSD, their, their take on, on the unfortunate disorder. And gives us a little bit more, you know, clarity, you know, shows us that, you know, all these superheroes, despite, you know, saving the world and doing all these things, you know, there is, there are some uh, after effects, you know, that affect the hero uh, deeply, you know what I'm saying? And that, that, in my opinion, that's as realistic they can get. And I really like that. So... Really like their take on that. Um, another thing I liked about it was the relationship Tony Stark builds up with Harley Keener. Now, if you don't know, Harley Keener is this, I don't know, what is he, like nine or ten year old kid who makes for who who becomes friends with Tony in um during his time in Tennessee in the movie. He becomes friends with this kid during uh, throughout the movie when he's stuck in Tennessee and I don't know I just really like the relationship you know 
sort of gave us a little aspect on what Tony would be like as a father, which unfortunate, which fortunate, we're fortunate enough to have seen later in Avengers Endgame. But this is sort of like a sort of like a sample. You get me? What Tony Stark would be like as a dad. So you know that was kind of cool. Uh, let's see, let's see, what else? What else? What else? Uh, oh right, the reason why we haven't given it a complete ten out of ten would have to be the Mandarin. As a character, you know, it's really confusing at the beginning. When I watched it, I had no idea what the hell was going on. I I was like, dude, what is going on? I don't like this movie. I'm so confused. I don't really like what's going on. But towards the end of the movie, it was also much clearer. But I don't know. I feel like the writers were just like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll just throw all this at them. Hope for the best. And yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's exactly what they did. So... I gotta, you know, not give it a complete 10 out of 10 because the whole Mandarin plot, trying to figure out who the Mandarin uh, plot is sort of like extremely confusing. So, you know, gotta give it a 9 out of 10. Um, another reason why I haven't given it a complete zero would be because of the visual effects. The fact that they were able to recreate like a hundred or what was it like 40s plus something iron man suits was just wow you know you know what i'm saying they could have used some really shitty cgi but they said you know what let's take it up a notch you know what i'm saying uh and yeah i'll just leave it at that so there you have it folks nine out of ten for iron man three what do you guys think let us know anyways let's get into the production Production for the movie first began following the release of Iron Man 2, a conflict between Paramount Pictures, which had distribution rights to certain Marvel properties, and the Walt Disney Company, Marvel's Entertainment. Then, new corporate parent clouded the timing and distribution arrangement of a possible third film. On October 18th, 2010, Walt Disney Studios agreed to pay Paramount at least $115 million for the worldwide distribution rights to Iron Man 3 with Disney Marvel. And Paramount announcing a May 3rd, 2013 release date for the film. Iron Man and Iron Man 2 director John Favreau said in December of 2010 that he would not return for the third to direct the third Iron Man, opting to direct Magic Kingdom instead. He remained as an executive producer of director Josh Whedon's crossover film, The Avengers, and also served as an executive producer for Iron Man 3. Also in 2010, Downey reached out to Shane Black, who directed him in 2005's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang to write and direct the film. In February of 2011, Black entered final negotiations to join the project, and in March it was announced that Drew Pierce, who Marvel had originally hired for a runaway script, uh, would work with Black on the script. Downey said, quote, bringing in Shane Black to write and direct Iron Man 3 to me is basically the only transition from Favreau to a next thing that Favreau and the audience and Marvel and I could ever actually sign off on, end quote. Shane Black described his take on the film as not being, quote, two men in iron suits fighting each other, end quote, and more like a, quote, Tom Clancy thriller, end quote, with Iron Man fighting real-world type villains. Drew Pierce added that they would avert magic and space with Iron Man 3 being a techno-thriller set in a more real-world than uh, world world than even the Avengers. The duo spent some time discussing themes, images, and even ideas before starting the script. While writing, the focus was to avoid scenes of pure exposition, making every moment propel other narrative points forward. Some elements from the comment 
comics were used in different connotations, such as making Rhodey wear Norman Osborn's Iron Patriot armor and naming some characters with names from unrelated people in the Marvel Universe, such as Eric Seven and Jack Taggart. The film's plot is influenced primarily from the extremist Iron Man comics uh, storyline written by Warren Ellis. The first two acts were remain character-centric, albeit in Shane Black's words, quote, more hectic, frantic, and large scale, end quote, to fulfill its sequel obligations, with the third act going for a more over-the-top action to what Drew Pierce described as giving a sense of opera. The middle act was compared to Sullivan, uh, Sullivan's travels and having Tony meeting various people in his journey, and the writers made sure to not make the characters too similar. The initial draft had Maya Hansen herself leading the villainous operation, with the Mandarin and Killian emerging as antagonists in later versions of the script. During one of the writing sessions, Pierce suggested that the Mandarin was a fake, and Black agreed by joining by by going with making him an actor which in turn Pierce detailed as an overacting British stage performer. Black explained, quote, Who would be fool enough to declare this an international terrorist? If you're smart, whatever regime you're a part of, you put a puppet committee and remain in your house, end quote. In turn, Aldrich Killian would hide Slattery in his own frat house in kind of a drug-related house arrest to keep the secret alive. According to Shane Black, the real of the actual villain being handsome was like Remington Steel, you think... Uh, was sorry i'm sorry I, I forgot to quote this shit <laughs> uh the reveal of the actual villain being hansen was quote like remington steel you think it's the man but at the end the woman has been running the whole show end quote the role was eventually shifted to killian because of objections by marvel entertainment executives who were concerned with the apparent merchandising losses that could come with having a female villain uh-oh the roles of uh, several other major female characters were also made smaller in the final film compared to earlier drafts. Both opening and the ending of the film were reworked in various ways. First off, we begin with a flashback to Tony's childhood. Then, like Iron Man, it would begin in media's res with Tony crashing in Tennessee before a voiceover that would lead to how he got there until it changed to the final version. For the climactic tanker battle, it was originally considered that Brant would show up in the James Bond tradition of the henchmen coming back for the heroes. Instead, they chose to use Killian himself and have Pepper, whom he abused earlier, cause his downfall as a way of poetic justice. The final dialogue was written as, quote, I am Tony Stark, end quote, to be a response to the first film's ending, but eventually it changed it to Iron Man, I am Iron Man to enhance uh, the mythical qualities. On setting the film around Christmas, Black said, quote, I think it's a sense of if you're doing something on an interesting scale that involves an entire universe of characters, one way to unite them is to have them all undergo a common experience. There's just something at Christmas that unties everybody and it set, already sets the stage within the stage that wherever you are, you're experiencing this world together. I think that there's also something that just pleasing about it to me, end quote. Pierce also added that he would have wanted to see a third Iron Man film set at Christmas, adding that, quote, when you're telling a story about taking characters apart, it almost has more renaissance if you put it at Christmas. And if you're also telling a story about lonelier characters as well, that loneliness is heightened at Christmas, end quote. Black also felt that the character Harley Keenard embodied the ghost of Christmas past for Stark. 
In September of 2011, Marvel Studios reached an agreement to shoot the film primarily out of EUE Screen Gems Studios in Wilmington, North Carolina. Michigan was also in contention to land the production, but Michigan Film Office could not match with North Carolina's tax incentives. In April 2012, Bing Kingsley entered negotiations to play a villain in Iron Man 3, and the following week, producer Kevin Feige revealed that Iron Man 3 would begin shooting in North Carolina, stating, quote, in five weeks, end quote, and said that it is a, quote-unquote, full-on Tony Stark-centric movie, very much inspired by the first half of Iron Man. He's stripped of everything, he's backed up against the wall, and he's got to use his intelligence to get out of it. He can't call Thor, he can't call Cap, he can't call Nick Fury, and he sure as hell can look for the Harley Carrier in the sky. A few days later, the Walt Disney Company, China, Marvel Studios, and DMG Entertainment announced an agreement to co-produce Iron Man 3 in China. DMG partially financed and produced in China with Marvel and handled co-production matters. DMG also distributed the film in China in tandem with Disney. That same week, Guy Pearce entered final talks to play Aldrich Killian, a character who is featured in the extremist comic book story arc. Chinese star Andy Lau, I think that's how you pronounce it, Lau, Lau, I don't even know, I apologize. Anyways, this Andy fella <laughs> became involved in negotiations to join the film as a Chinese scientist and an old friend of Tony Stark who comes to his aid. Lau will later turn down the role and Wang, I, Jesus, fuck, I can't pronounce his name. Wang Shukui, I don't even know, but this Wang fella was cast instead. Jessica Chat Chat oh, Jesus fuck. I really should have rehearsed some of this. <laughs> okay, anyways. Jessica Chastain entered into discussions for a role in the film, but about out due to scheduling conflicts in May. Rebecca Hall was cast in her place, and her role was described as a scientist who plays a pivotal role in the creation of nanotechnology known as extremists. Over the next few weeks, James Badgedale was cast as Eric Savin. Ashley Hamilton was cast as Firepower, which is one of the uh, the Mandarin's uh, henchmen. And uh, John Favreau was returned to uh, uh, returned to reprise his role as Happy Hogan from the first two films. Filming first began in Wilmington, North Carolina, on May twenty third, two thousand twelve, at the EUE Screen Gem Studio with a working titled "Caged Heat." Cinematographer John Toll opted for the first. Uh, time in his career to work with digital cameras as he found them more convenient for a visual effects heavy production. Toll shoot, Toll shot the film um, primarily on the Ari Alexa camera from June 4th to June 6th. Filming took place in Cary, North Carolina at the Epic Games headquarters and the SAS Institute with large Christmas trees set up in the front lawn. Jesus, fuck, imagine putting up a Christmas tree during June. I'm going to wonder what the ongoing people would have said. Would have said. You know, ongoing spectators just like, Hey, yo, is that a Christmas tree? And it would have been fucking weird. Anyways, a uh, scene was also shot at the Wilmington International Airport. The port of Wilmington served as location for the oil tanker in the climactic battle. Along with a soundstage recreation of the dock, the crumbling house itself was filmed in a hydraulic-powered Cubo, I think that's how you pronounce it, platform that could bend and split into two pieces. All interior footage had practical effects, including debris, explosions, and with the use of computer graphics, uh, they were used to add exteriors and Iron Man's armor. From July 19th to August 1st of 2012, filming took place on Oak Island, North Carolina, to film aerial drops over the Atlantic Ocean. They were done for the scene where Iron Man rescues the, the people falling from the Air Force One over Miami, which were originally envisioned, uh, done with green screen effects, but were changed using actual skydivers. As um, second unit director Brian 
Smurge, Smurge, I don't even know, knew the Red Bull skydiving team. Computer graphics were only employed to add clouds to the destroyed plane, and mad paintings of the Florida coastline in the background replaced a stand-in with the Iron Man armor and some digital compositing to combine effects of the skydivers together. Filming took place in Rose Hill, North Carolina in August, in early August 2012, and the town's name was incorporated into the script as Tennessee City, uh, as the Tennessee City Stark Visits. On August 14, actress Dale Dickley said that she had been cast in the film and was currently shooting her scenes. The following day, the production was halted because Robert Downey Jr. unfortunately suffered an ankle injury. And during the break, Shane Black and Drew Pierce made more script revisions before shooting resumed on the 24th. Cast and crew began arriving in Florida on October 1st to shoot scenes at the Danube Beach and around South Florida. That same day, Downey Jr. returned to the set after his ankle injury. In early October, the scenes were shot at a replica of the Malibu restaurant in Neptune's Net. Filming also took place on the location at the v Vizcaya Museum and Gardens. Scenes were shot at the, during the daytime inside the Miami Beach Resort and Miami Beach on October 10th and 11th. The production returned to Wilmington in mid-October for additional filming on November 1st. Scenes were shot at the Vizcaya Museum and Gardens and filming in the United States wrapped up on November 7th in Wilmington. Uh, filming began in Beijing, China on December 10th, and filming was scheduled to wrap a week later on the 17th. China China filming did not include the main cast and crew. In January of 2013, it was reported that a film crew led by Shane Black would begin, would begin uh, location scouting in Hyderabad and Bengaluru, India, between January 20th and January 24th. Also in January, Don Cheadle confirmed that the reshooting was taking place in Manhattan Beach. Shooting also took place on the week of January 23rd, 2013 at the TCL Chinese Theater in Hollywood. A major part of the content filmed in the reshoots regarded the Mandarin with Drew Pierce saying in early cuts, the character, quote, didn't feel real enough. It wasn't a sense of him being part of the real world, mostly because he was just looking down a lens and threatening world, end quote. A report of an actual on an actual production cost for the film from Film LA Incorporated indicated a gross budget of two hundred million dollars, with a net of one hundred and seventy-eight point four million dollars for Iron Man three after tax incentives from North Carolina and Florida. Iron Man three was distributed worldwide by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures, with the exception of China, where it was released by DMG Entertainment and Germany and Austria. Uh, where it was released by Telemuchin Group. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I just butchered that name. The Chinese version of the film offers a specially prepared bonus footage made exclusively for the Chinese audience. The version features a four-minute longer cut of the film with a longer scene of Tony meeting Dr. Wu. A scene showing Dr. Wu on the phone with Jarvis as Iron Man is visible on a television screen in front of the film, as well as a scene of Dr. Wu preparing to operate on Stark with Fan... Being, being, I think, did I just fucking pronounce that right? Please tell me. I did. Uh, yeah, I pronounced that right. Okay, cool. The extra material also features product placement for various Chinese products. Uh, the film first debuted at the Grand Rex in Paris on April 14th, 2013 with Robert Downey Jr. and Gwen Parlow in attendance while the UK premiere was originally set for a April 17th release, but unfortunately was pushed back due to the funeral of former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. Robert Downey Jr., Ben Kingsley, and Rebecca Hall were present for advance at the screening for, for the advanced screening at London's Odeon Leicester. Leicester, I don't know how to pronounce it. 
Square, the El Capitan Theater in Los Angeles hosted in the United States premiere of the Iron Man 3 on April 24th. The film opened in 46 countries through April 22nd and 24th, with the United States release in 4,253 screens happening one week later. Regional cinemas, AMC theaters, and Carmike cinemas put pre-sale tickets on hold. That's how crazy it was. Two weeks before the U.S. premiere. The cinemas were in contract to dispute with Disney, who wished to receive more of the ticket sale profit than they currently did. What? Disney grabbing all of the money? What? Uh, <clears throat> largely based on projected premiere weekend intake, Iron Man 3 was expected to have. Carmichael was the first to come to terms with Disney, and it was later reported that uh, Cinemark theaters had stopped selling pre-sale tickets, and Regal Cinemas had removed all marketing material for the film from its locations. On April 25th, 2013, Regal, AMC, and Disney ended their dispute, which allowed Regal and AMC to proceed with selling pre-sale tickets again. IMAX screenings began on April 25th internationally and May 3rd in the U.S. The film was shown in four, in the 4DX format featuring strobe lights, titling seeds, blowing wind, and fog and odor uh, effects in selected countries, which must have been fucking awesome watching that shit, man. I just imagine people sitting down and all of a sudden they're flying like Iron Man, just like, ah, nah, nah. that shit must have been crazy. Uh, in Japan, the technology opened its first room in the Corona. <sighs> at the Corona World Theater in Nyoga, Japan with the release of the film. <clears throat> I did not get PTSD there. Anyways, Iron Man 3 went on to gross $409 million in North America and $805.8 million in other countries for a worldwide total of $1.2 billion, outgrossing both of its predecessors combined worldwide, and it became the, the fifth highest grossing film, the second highest grossing film of 2013, the second highest grossing film of this Marvel Cinematic Universe, right behind Marvel's The Avengers, and the highest grossing film of the Iron Man trilogy, as well as the fourth highest grossing comic book superhero film overall. It achieved this. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I think I messed that up. Oh, it achieved. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of dyslexic. Anyways. It achieved the sixth largest worldwide opening with a total of $372.5 million on the weekend of May 3rd, May 5th, 2013. The film set a record for the largest worldwide weekend in IMAX with $28.6 million on its third day, on its 23rd day, sorry, in theaters. Iron Man 3 became the sixth Disney film and the 16th film overall to reach a billion dollars. It is the first Iron Man film to gross over a billion and became the second Marvel film to do so after the first Avengers installment. It was also the fourth fastest film to reach the milestone. As part of the earlier distribution agreement made with Disney in 2010, Paramount Pictures received 9% of the box office gross generated by Iron Man 3. Deadline Hollywood calculated the net profit of the film to be $391.8 million when factoring together all expenses and revenues for the film. By the end of its opening day, Iron Man 3 made $68.9 million, achieving the 7th highest grossing opening day. By the end of its opening weekend, the film earned $174.1 million, making it the 2nd highest grossing weekend of all time. Again, right behind the Avengers of, a, of the opening weekend audience, 55% was over 25 years old and 61% were males, while only 45% of the gross originated from 3D screenings. Opening weekend earnings from IMAX amounted to about $16.5 million, and it topped the box office during two consecutive weekends and achieved the fourth largest second weekend gross with $72.5 million. 
The film earned $13.2 million on its opening day, which was on Wednesday. Jesus, fuck. And through Sunday, April 28th, it earned a five-day opening weekend of $198.4 million from 42 countries. The film's opening weekend gross included $7.1 million from IMAX revenues. And it set opening day records in the Philippines, Taiwan, Singapore, Vietnam, Malaysia, China, Ukraine, Russia, and the CIS. Both single and opening day records in Thailand and South Africa, as well as a single day record in Hong Kong. In other words, it broke records even in other countries where it wasn't supposed to, but you know what? They said, fuck it, it just did it. The review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes has uh, reported a 79% approval rating with an average score of 7 out of 10 based on 325 reviews. The website's critical consensus reads, quote, With the help of its charismatic lead, some impressive action sequences, and even a few surprises, Iron Man 3 is a witty, entertaining adventure and a strong addition to the Marvel canon, end quote. Metacritic gave it a weighted average score of 62 out of 100 based on 44 critics, indicating general favorable reviews uh received a lot of nominations it received nominations to the golden trailer awards bmi film tv awards teen choice awards people choice awards critics choice awards visual effects society awards motion picture sound editor sound editors golden reel awards cinema audio society awards academy awards uh and saturn awards in March of 2013, Shane Black stated that Downey's original contract with Marvel Studios, which expired after the release of Iron Man 3, may be extended in order for the actor to appear in a second Avengers film and at least one more Iron Man film. He said, quote, there has been a lot of discussion about this. Is this the last Iron Man for Robert Downey Jr.? Something tells me that it will not be the case and he will be seen in a fourth or fifth. End quote. <laughs> that is wrong. Obviously, if you're caught up today with the MCU movies, you know that this is not true. If you have not been caught up, then you you should have left right before, right as soon as I started laughing. In April 2013, Don Cheadle stated that the that Iron Man 3 could be the final film in the series, saying, quote, The door is always left open in these kinds of movies, especially when they do as well as they have done. I know there was talk of making sure we did this one right, and if it worked, it could be the last one. There's room for more. To be done with these characters we're getting to a sweet spot with tony and roadie anyway end quote in september 2014 in regards to a fourth film downey said quote there isn't one in the pipe no there's no plan for a fourth iron man end quote in april 2016 downey stated that he was open to reprising the role in a potential fourth iron man film but unfortunately spoiler alert after the death of tony stark in a 2019's avengers endgame co-writer steven mcfeely said quote you would have already had Iron Man 4 if it was in another studio, end quote, remarking that it was a bold move by Marvel to kill off the character. In January of 2020, when asked if he would reprise the role of Iron Man, Downey, noted, uh, Downey Jr. noted, quote, yeah, anything could happen. But as far as I'm concerned, I hung up my guns and I'm good to let it go. It's hard to project, end quote. So as far as we're concerned, this might be the final Iron Man movie ever made. Who knows? Maybe Marvel might decide to reboot it like they're doing with all the other uh 90s cartoons but yeah who knows anyways ladies and gentlemen as far as iron man 3 goes that is pretty much where we cut it off and it looks like we're gonna you know have to wrap this bitch up hey hey that's good because i need to go shower anyways um in terms of like progression in the mcu i don't really think it has that big of an impact um but i 
but in terms of like an Iron Man movie, it is good. It, it's interesting to look at. Um, whatever I'm going to say. Uh, it's just fun to watch it, basically. But in terms of like an MCU movie, there is very little progression. I mean, it's just another adventure of Tony Stark. So I really wouldn't, if you're looking for like some major progression in terms of the mcu storyline i suggest you skip it but if you just want to watch tony stark have a fun adventure go ahead knock yourself out bro but yeah that's that's where it is thank you guys so much for the support really none of this could have happened without you guys so again uh thank you guys a lot uh and once again spread the word you know tell your mama tell your papa tell the mailman tell everybody you know that tony's got a podcast and he's reviewing your favorite movies not favorite favorite but like some favorite movies and uh we'll just leave it at that ladies and gentlemen um yeah that's pretty much it thank you guys all so much for the support and we'll catch you all in the next one take care stay safe and don't drink a drive see ya I've seen better days.